Hello and welcome to another episode of Video Game Logic. Today's episode was recorded on April the 4th, 2023. I'm your host, gaming psychologist, and with me, as always, nothing special today. It's We've got big feelings. Caffeine rage, as I'm fixing the show notes on the fly. It's it, okay. On today's episode, we'll be having our March Game Club. We will be show, telling you our next game club. We're also going to be discussing games we played, which is a little weird for a Game Club episode, but, you know, it's our show. We'll do what we want. And then in the community corner, we have a few news topics. Dark and Darker has been removed from Steam following a cease and desist demand. E3 is dead. For good? Question mark. And Arc 2 is delayed, so they're turning off Arc Survival Evolves official servers and charging you $50 for a remaster. <laughs> Timestamps right. will be in the show notes following their uh, respective topics. Hello, Rage. Hello. How are you? I'm doing all right. As I was said, you messages through the show notes. Yeah. Did I, what, did I, what did I mess up, though? Uh, you had the wrong game club. Oh, I thought that was the next one on the list. No. Oh. Okay. They got bumped up. Remember? Right. Uh, around that one. I forgot that. I'm pretty sure I fixed that on the on the game club list coming up. It's also possible I just misread it. Let's be real. It's probably my fault. Oh, it's your fault. I fixed that. Game club list. Uh yep, you're right. You're right. My my fault. Um anyways, yeah. We're 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 here. We just spent the better part of an hour talking about some very heavy stuff. That is going to be some Franken content. Um, at some point, it'll be very disconnected from the specific time that it happened, but I think uh, it's still a relevant discussion in this country. Oh, definitely. Especially the, just the primal rage of it all. Yep. That primal scream of just, fuck you. Yeah. End of the night. But I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I have any steam for anything else other than to just like dive into the stuff that we're supposed to do this week. What about you? Yeah, uh, let's go for it. So, uh, shall I start? So you have a little bit of rest. You start. So, okay, this is going to be a a little bit of an odd one. Uh, When I was having computer issues, I mean, I had been doing this beforehand, but especially when my video card went pop, and then my replacement decided to uh, play Cyberpunk, uh, was it, 2077, uh, uh, on the initial release and just start glitching out. I need some games to play. And the local library does Switch game uh, uh, rentals, bar loans, whatever. And I saw that they had Sonic Frontiers. And I figured this is going to be like the perfect way for me to play it because there's no way I'm going to want to pay for it. So I borrowed Sonic Frontiers. Uh, the local library does uh, two-week loans on a game with an option to renew via the app uh, for an additional two weeks. I returned it after one week, and, and that felt generous. That, that felt very generous. Sonic Frontiers, it's the bones of an okay game. 
which makes it, uh, you know, the bones of a really good Sonic game because, yeah, yeah, we we have to grade Sonic on its own like curve because, yeah, you know, <laughs> the Sonic curve, yes, where yeah, you know, like an okay game is like an, an amazing Sonic game because Sonic the Hedgehog has. I, I have this theory that Sonic Team wants to make any game except a Sonic the Hedgehog game. And I think that's kind of uh, been proven by their April Fool's thing, where they literally fucking killed him. Right? Yeah. Which I need to play that. But, yeah. So, Sonic Frontiers, playing it, it feels... Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set up a scenario here, and I, 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 but follow me here. Have you ever played a mod of a game where they introduce a character that doesn't really fit with the world, like uh, the Spider-Man uh, GTA mods, or yeah. the Iron Man one, or yeah, whatever. And it, it works, but it does. It feels out of place. It doesn't quite yeah, gel. Yeah, that's Sonic Frontiers. The whole game, pretty much. Okay, there are some good aspects of the game, where especially where it's an open world. You're able to you know, really get up to speed, and yeah, you know, for one of the few times, it actually feels like you could actually explore with Sonic running at full speed. However, you're constantly stopped by all the random bullshit you have to do. Okay, uh, the first thing, first thing. Okay, exploration games. Your overworld map, typically. I'm going to say 99 times out of 100. Unless we're talking in a Ubisoft game where uh, you're climbing towers. As you explore the world, you're unlike, uh, unlocking the map around you. Correct? Usually, yes. This, you have to stop and do challenges sprinkled across the map. And it unlocks like three squares, five squares out of like 200 squares on the overworld map. So you're constantly either in areas that you don't have uh, fully explored, that's just blocked out, or you're trying to figure out, okay, now where's the activity that uh, that links to this one? And they're all just so mindless and boring. Like, there's one where you'll get in a giant hamster wheel and run for five seconds, and that unlocks a little bit of the map. There'll be one where you have to uh, race across a, a portion of the uh, map t- uh, in a certain amount of time, which has an incredibly generous uh, time limit. There's one that you will have to, yeah, like circle around a couple uh, uh, random MacGuffins. It depends on where particularly uh, that one is. There's one that you might have to do a little bit of platforming to get to a, a switch in a certain time limit. And the same, like, four or five challenges repeat over and over and over and over a fucking again. To the point that I got maybe a quarter of the map unlocked. It's just, yeah, I don't care anymore. You got enough to uh, also get... Uh, okay, so there's also a bunch of random collectibles that you have to collect, okay? There's memory fragments which tie into the story. Basically, uh, 
Sonic and the Furry Five. Uh, are, <laughs> okay. You are, have my attention. I'm interested now. Are, are uh, flying in their airplane for whatever reason, and they get sucked into a vortex uh, to this mysterious island. And because Sonic is the protagonist, he has plot armor and is not captured, while the other four are either while, yeah, while the other four are captured. And you have to collect memory fragments to basically awaken their memories of of Sonic. But the thing is that they know who Sonic is. They're just kind of like trapped in virtual space and they're in all the story cutscenes, which there's so many cutscenes. Is always between character of the of this particular island and Sonic, just talking back and forth without any physical interaction, just kind of just droning on and on and on and on, and it's just boring. And the thing is, I don't want. I'm not sure if I want to skip it because they might say something important to you know what the hell is going on. But nine times out of ten, they're not because they're at least on the first island. By the way, there's like five islands and all the progress is reset when you go from one island to the next. You have to start essentially from scratch again, unlocking the map, getting the Chaos Emeralds, which we'll get to the Chaos Emeralds, and uh, getting uh, enough uh, memory fragments to uh, get your whatever uh, furry of that particular island to remember enough to be able to unlock the final boss so that you can have a Super Saiyan fight with a um, misplaced Titan from Shadow of the Colossus. It's just weird. So, uh, uh, part of this is the Chaos Emeralds. So, each island you have a set of Chaos Emeralds to find and in order to get those, you have to go into Digital Worlds which are one of the other really decent things about the game. So instead of an open world game, you're on a set, like, pseudo, like, Sonic 2 or 3 level. And depending on the perspective, it might be side on, it might be behind them. And it's going through the level as fast as possible, you know, uh, at the speed of sound, whatever, right? Rolling around at the speed of sound. Or one of the other random objectives, which you don't get to know about until you go through the level at least once, because of course, right? And each of the objectives gives you so many Chaos Emerald Vault Keys, which unlocks uh, each of the five emeralds, which allows you to eventually go Super Saiyan to defeat the uh, Titan of the uh, island. That's not the only big guy, by the way. There's multiple, like, mini-bosses, and... They all look like... Remember 3D graphics from, like, the late 90s where everything is very angular? Yeah. I'm I'm, I'm talking about uh, more angular than Laura Croft's tits. (laughs) I was going to say, like, PS1, Nintendo 64 kind of days. Like, the early days. No, no, no. I'm talking Super Nintendo FX chip. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's pretty much what what all the enemies look like. Very angular, very... Right? Yeah. And then you have the bosses, which are basically those, but supersized to, like, Shadow the Colossus Titan size. Which each one has their own, like, gimmick. And all of them are incredibly frustrating to fight. 
because the camera sucks in this game. It sucks so much that it, it takes you out of the <laughs> out of the fight more often than not. And it, it kind of lends lends to that fact that or that feeling of that this game almost feels like a modded ge- a game of like you know Sonic being put into Breath of the Wild, which that's kind of the hot take that everybody did on uh, yeah announcement of this. But it feels so much uh, so true. Whatever you, the camera just cannot keep up with Sonic the Hedgehog. Never mind the fact that you have like this you know, essentially barren world with a bunch of shit randomly uh, floating around like they were halfway through designing the levels and it's like oh uh, we're out of time uh, uh, quick uh, patch it up patch it up let's go but the bosses uh, there's been there were so many times that the the camera would you would start the scripted you know, like portion to uh, uh, get to the boss's weak spot because of course it's a titan with a weak spot because right does it glow like yellow or something stereotypically? Uh, no, no, it just uh, okay. The one that I fought multiple times because they'll respawn eventually. Uh, it has like these glowing uh, uh, gates on it that propel Sonic up the legs of this giant, like three-legged giant. And depending on the phase that you're in, uh, there'll be like more and more. Uh, ones that, instead of propelling you up, will try to shoot you back down the leg. But because the camera just can never lock on quite right, it was like, you know, uh, I rolled the dice if the camera would be in a position where I would actually attempt to make some sort of informed uh, attempt at it, instead of uh, guessing, okay, well, uh, I think I'm on this portion. The camera just is terrible in a lot of places. There's some uh, portions on, like, the rails that, uh, uh, and the, uh, pseudo-platforming areas where it's, you know, uh, press A at the proper rhythm in order to, uh, you know, uh, progress forward, where suddenly the camera will t- uh, switch uh, uh, to a more cinematic view of Sonic running by, and sometimes there'll be, if you uh, are continuing pressing forward, because the camera changed positions, Sonic would pull like a 90 degree turn and go right off the ledge. Oh, so kind of like weird tank controls. Sort of. And then there will be other times where if uh, you're not pressing uh, forward, uh, Sonic will just come to a dead stop and lose all momentum and fall off. <laughs> there, there's just so many like little irksome things that feels like this game has the bones of a potentially decent Sonic game, but it's just, oh. I did not notice the pop-in that a lot of people uh, complained about, but it could just be the fact that I was fighting so many other things, like, you know, uh, keeping the camera on <laughs> on track, that I was uh, not, you know, really looking off in the distance because I was trying to, you know, keep track of where I was on the map because I couldn't be bothered to unlock more of it. Did encounter the fishing mini game, which was decent, but in order to <laughs> get stuff for that, you basically this game ha- even has the like the blood moon from uh, 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 Breath of the Wild, where occasionally the world will do a hard reset, and meteorites will fall down from the sky, and you collect those for uh, chances at the fishing mini game that gives you essentially all the collectibles that you need to complete the island. Because of course, right? Of course. 
which feels like such a patch or a haphazard patch for uh, utter shitty uh, level design. You know, you know, yeah. Uh, well, you know, uh, we made the uh, challenges too tough. Uh, put them in the fishing mini game. Let people just get them from there instead, because some of those are uh, the, the digital levels are the only like feels like the real challenge outside of tackling the camera. Uh, what really got me, I was on the second, uh, well, island. Well, I didn't talk about this. Uh, okay, so uh, eventually you get all the Chaos Emeralds. And the final boss fight unlocks. And you turn to uh, Super Saiyan Sonic. And at that point, you're invincible. But you start counting down your rings. Which the game doesn't tell you at first. So I went in with like 100 rings out of my like 400 cap. Oh, by the way, this game has a ring cap, and in order to expand it, which you have to go get even more pickups, because of course you need more pickups, right? Yeah. This game uh, feels like it looked at a Ubisoft game and saw all the collectibles and shit, and it's like, we could do that. Uh, But the uh, uh, ring expansion pickups are are absolutely pitiful. Uh, The uh, the attack bonuses that you get is absolutely uh, pitiful. There's only a handful of talent points that uh, feel like they are meaningful in any way, and otherwise it's just... There, there's an option to actually completely automate the battles. Or uh, auto- automate all the combos and uh, moves that you could do. I should tell you something about combat, huh? Yeah. So, anyway... It's got the Forspoken problem. <laughs> <laughs> our combat system isn't great so just automate the whole thing yeah I mean there, there's a couple uh, boss or uh, not even bosses uh, like little enemies that once you get uh, the kind of just sit there uh, throw force uh, uh, punches at an enemy uh, you know, over and over again they go from an annoyance to uh, dead simple and there seems to be like, like no in between for him. Uh, but the boss that kind of got me at the end, it, once again, it comes around to the camera. So it's this giant like four legged spider esque thing on the uh, on the desert wor- uh, island, uh, the second one. Uh, and you have to like jump up rings and grind along them to, uh, uh basically turn them into giant fans to propel you up. And then you had to grind along these three, like hula hoops around the giant spider in order to uh, reveal its weak point in order to kill it. Well, the camera is pulled back so far that playing in handheld mode, Sonic is like two pixels on the screen and the camera is back far enough that, uh, the legs of the spider obscure the view. So if you're trying to jump over things, good luck, right? Yeah. After a few times, it's just this is not worth the effort anymore. I put that returned it the next day. Uh, it it's if you're a Sonic fan, first of all, I feel sorry for you. You have my pity. Maybe someday Team Sonic will uh, make a good game. This is not it. This has the bones of a potentially interesting Sonic game, but. I, I I really think that you know Sonic fans have like Stockholm syndrome at this point. You know, anything that is not absolute garbage, they they praise upon because that's the best we get. 
Yeah, some pretty hardcore sunk ca- sunk cost fallacy mm-hmm. going on. Okay. Um, I think um, I'll I'll delete this in a second. I'm painting an axolotl while we're talking. Uh oh. And I'm like I'm holding it. I've got paint, so I'll I'll adjust the uh, the show notes in a minute. But I think I'm just gonna do my two game updates. If you're if you're done talking about Sonic, okay. yeah. So one of them. Uh, Project Wingman. Project Wingman I talked about on the show a couple of years ago. Um, it is an ace combat sort of spiritual successor or inspired game. Very arcadey flight controls. But it's, it's a lot of the same kind of stuff. It's in this sort of strange, real world. Um, Project Wingman specifically is in our world in sort of a weird post-apocalyptic. Post-post-apocalyptic? Because the apocalypse happened, humanity rebuilt. And now you're flying jet fighters in that rebuilt humanity. Um, very good game. I had very, very good things to say about it at the time. And it kind of sparked off this whole uh, time period where I started replaying all of the older Ace Combat games and the more modern ones. Um, and have now got them on kind of a cycle where I'm going to be replaying them every couple of years. Project Wingman has gone through several large updates since I played. Um and is overall a much better looking and handling game. Unfortunately, no major content has been added. Um, There's something like 20 planes in the game that are all based on real planes. Um, You know, that really, like, to someone who doesn't know anything about aircraft, except like, oh yeah, that's the Raptor, and that's the... F-16, and that's an F-18, because they've seen him in, like, a bunch of war movies and stuff. Like, you're definitely gonna look at that and be like, oh yeah, that's an F-22 Raptor, that's an F-14 Tomcat, like, whatever. They've got slightly different names and tiny tweaks so that they're not, like, direct copies. But, you know, essentially you've got 20 real-world aircraft, give or take a couple, plus some sort of sci-fi esque aircraft. They haven't added any more, unfortunately. Um... They have added a VR mode to the game, which is not something that I can participate in, but footage of it that I've seen looks gorgeous because they've done a lot of graphical updates since the game launched. It was already good looking, but they really worked on trying to crank up the realism factor in terms of like, you're in a cockpit in a plane. It looks as good to my eye as like DCS does, which is hardcore realism flight combat simulator. If you if you don't know what that is, um, so they really turned up the the feel of realism and the look of realism while keeping it a very arcadey game. Um, lots of really neat uh, weather effects. Um, a lot of the missions in in game, you know, there's depending on what altitude you're flying at. There's dynamic storms because storms tend to take place closer to the ground, so you can fly over storms and in them to assist with things like breaking uh, missile tracking and and stuff like that. Very cool. Very good stuff that they've all added support for. Um, They've done a lot of bug fixing and uh, performance tweaks so the game runs better. And then it supports a wider array of HOTAS, so uh, that's hands-on throttle and sticks, so flight sticks and throttles and such. Native support for a lot more of those with built-in default control schemes. Initially, you had to map every single button, and some of them were kind of finicky. 
Um, they've they've got more built-in control schemes now, and they have better controller support. You could use an Xbox controller, or I assume by extension, really any USB or Bluetooth directs to X style controller, but they've now added support for PlayStation controllers because the game has had a release on both uh, Xbox and PlayStation, and there's default controller um, you know, maps for both of those. <laughs> and they've added rumble support. The game initially didn't have rumble support, so if you had a, ho- a, a throttle or a controller with uh, rumble, it, it didn't work initially, but it does work now. Um, so, a lot of improvements on the technical front. Still a game very worth playing. I enjoy it a lot. It has one of the best soundtracks for any of these type of games that I've ever played, and I think in general it has a very <laughs> solid soundtrack overall. Excellent. It's one of only two game soundtracks that I own. Um, so that's that's how I feel about it. Um, oh, and also now has Steam Cloud support, which means that the Conquest mode... I mean, really, your campaign progress as well, but mostly the Conquest mode um, benefits from being able to jump back and forth on on different machines, which they have done a lot of tweaking to Conquest mode. Conquest mode was this kind of roguelite-esque mode that unlocks after you beat the campaign, where that um, the world map is divided up into territories and with gradually escalating threat levels, so more and more difficult numerous and difficult enemies come to fight you as you try to take over the various territories. And essentially you win if you manage to conquer all the territories and each run you gain money and prestige which lets you unlock more powerful aircraft and recruit mercenary soldiers to to fly with you. So you get planes. The, the game has like airships so you can get those on your side. Um... And there's some pretty powerful stuff. There's stuff in Conquest mode that is not available in the campaign that only certain, like, kind of special boss enemies have access to that you get access to. So it's pretty cool. It's good. Like it. Two thumbs up. Still recommend. Worth a buy. It was on Game Pass at one point, but if you don't want to get it on Steam, if you want to get it on a console for couch experience, it's on Xbox and PlayStation. Um, It supposedly runs pretty well on Steam Deck. Um, Steam Deck struggles with some of the high-intensity campaign missions that involve, like, city fighting and stuff. But honestly, at times, so does my desktop PC. So, good game. Uh, the other game to update is Battletech. Of course, I do one, maybe two major runs a year and check out the biggest update for the mod pack that I use, which is Battletech Advanced. Um, More mechs. They've added more mechs, more parts. Um, stuff like that. Last, I think last time I talked about it, they had added the flare-up system, which is sort of a more galaxy-wide war that takes place, um, where that factions fight for control of planets, and you can assist one side or the other. They've done some tweaking on that. Added some (laughs) in-lore, uh, correct flare-ups, so you can participate in battles from the lore. Um, in the timeline where the the mod takes place. They've added more factions. They have added what I think is a really neat feature, um, sub-factions. So each of the, you know, house militaries, as well as, like, certain mercenary factions and things, now have sub-factions in the game, and they are prominent units that feature in lore, 
in the novels. Um, and then there's a few that have been kind of created whole cloth for the game. Uh, and they have their own sort of sub reputation. You can't take missions directly from them, but sometimes they will show up in missions and they have some neat interactions. Um, sometimes they might try to bribe you to leave, or you might could try to bribe them to leave the mission operation area. Um, they might issue sort of challenges to you for bonus payouts during the mission or for follow-up missions. If you choose to accept them, it's a pretty neat system that adds some extra sort of, uh, I guess you could say layers of, um, I know it's not how it works, but whatever you say, you could bribe them and they could bribe you. I'm just imagining you and uh, them just passing five bucks back and forth. (laughs) Yeah. Over and over. Here's a fiver. Here's a fiver. Uh, uh, not sure which naked gun movie it was, but I, I something like a gag from that, where uh, uh, they keep bribing each other back and forth. Um, that's that's what's in my head right now. Yeah. Oh. Hang on, just one second, maybe a minute. I, I need to mute for just a second. Katie stepped in. Okay. Okay. So I, I'll I'll say to lead us into that. Um, I might wind up having to leave. So to sort of wrap up everything I was saying and then moving on to Game Club so we get that taken care of, uh, Battletech Advance continues to add a lot of really cool features to the mod for the fans that are going to be playing it. A lot of lore accurate and lore interesting stuff. And it seems to be that most of the mechanics have been ironed out and they've even put in some performance fixes, which is nice. Love the modding community. So yes, Game Club. Uh, game club is a thing that we do uh, roughly once a month. <laughs> Occasionally and, and, things get in the way, but roughly yeah, once a month. And usually on the last Tuesday of the month, but this time I was, uh, well, let's just put it this way. Last Tuesday, I had not much of a voice. Although I still have a bit of a cough. Uh, it's better than what it was. <laughs> yeah. So, for, baby steps. Yeah. For March, we were doing Ori and the Blind Forest, the definitive edition remake thingamabob. And because I was having issues with my computer that month, I decided to get it on Switch. So we're on... Uh, this Not the first time, but... Uh, a rare multi-platform game club. Yeah. Ori and the Blind Forest is a critically acclaimed... At the, know how. T- at the time, sort of more indie darling style platform from, I believe, the year 2013 or 2014. Um, let me double check that. I mean, this is the 2015. Okay, so slightly later than I was thinking. But, you know, th- this game is, is several, what is that, eight years old at this point, roughly. So it's got it's got some years on it. And we were playing the Definitive Edition which is, uh, is that it right? The Definitive Edition? Or was it another? Uh, Definitive Edition, yeah. Okay. Which, uh, now, now I'm trying to find when that released. Because uh, Steam gives uh, one release date, but I don't trust that. Oh, uh, 2019. That, that looks a lot better. Okay. You know, I didn't even think to look. What is, what is in the Definitive Edition that's not in the base game? What does, it, you know, uh, what does it get? Packed with new additional content, new areas, new secrets, new abilities, more story sequences, multiple difficulty modes. We'll get to that. 
Full uh, backtracking support and more. Uh, discover Nauru's past in two brand new environments. Master two powerful new abilities, dash and light burst. Find new secret areas. Explore uh, dabble faster with teleporting between spirit wells. So the teleporting between spirit wells is new in the definitive edition. Good to know, right? Yeah, oh my god, that would be terrible to not be able to travel between the spirit okay, wells. Yeah, okay, so Ori of the Blind Force is a platform-heavy Metroidvania. And I I just don't see uh, where, where it's getting so much praise. It might just be a, a thing of its time where there wasn't a lot of games like this. And it's also pretty. And games that are pretty uh, tend to be uh, forgiven for a lot of their sins. I don't forgive them, but they tend to be forgiven. Yes. Yeah. uh, What is it with us picking platformers that I... And I know, not technically a platformer, Metroidvania. What is it with us picking platformer-heavy style games that are critically acclaimed that I absolutely fucking hate. I don't know. Bad luck? Good luck? I, guess I mean, this is what, two or it. three in, the ro- in a row now? Yeah. Because there was Celeste, which also I liked critically- Celeste. I really liked Celeste. I did not really like Ori. Uh, my, my favorite part of Celeste was uninstalling it. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, lo- I'm looking back to see if there's a platformer Monster Sanctuary, maybe, but even then, that's you know, really uh, kind of uh, stretching the term. Yeah. That was like a, a Poké-zania. Yeah. I don't see one that I can say that I actually really enjoyed. <laughs> you should, I mean, I said this Sunday, but you should pick a platformer that you like or think you'll like, and we'll just play it for game for a game club. I'll try anything. I'm past the point where I'm like, eh, I don't want to try that because it's a genre I don't like. I, I do occasionally find games in genres that I don't like or mm-hmm. can find good things about games that I wouldn't normally play. You know, I do think Ori and the Blind Forest is a beautiful game with a good soundtrack and a decent enough story um, that I just didn't get on with the gameplay mechanics very much. But it, me, as someone who's not a let's call it a platformer connoisseur, did not notice a lot of the problems that you I don't even really consider myself a connoisseur. I just know what I like. And for me, I like platformers that have tighter controls. They don't have to be fast platformers. But kind of my gold standard is like Super Meat Boy, where if if you die on Super Meat Boy, it's typically your fault. It doesn't, you know, throw random shit at you. There were so many times in Ori and the Blind Forest because the game tries to do this cinematic thing where uh, as you're, like, progressing to a new area, Ori will, uh, like, progress towards more and more the edge of the map, of the screen. And I had the audacity to play in normal mode where there was a lot of one-shots, there was a lot of enemies that would just, like, knock half your health off. There were so many times that I would try to wall climb and Ori would like hit the corner of the wall and just fling herself into some spikes. Or I'd get shot by an enemy that I can't see yet because it's off screen and shooting at me. Because of course it is, right? Yeah. 
I played it in easy mode, uh, which doesn't change the platforming, but it makes all of the enemies, as far as I can tell, only do one damage every time they hit you. And I'm not um, sure. How many uh, bars of health did you have? Um, I started with four. And okay, then... so, so difficulty, It uh, I started with three. So maybe that's the starting difficulty? Because I started with three, and I only found one upgrade, because it seemed like every time I went down a uh, the wrong path, I would just come up to a place where I need a new ability in order to progress, which that's, yeah, you know, Metroidvania. But the thing is that there's so many precise platforming challenges with very floaty and slow controls that the character seems to always overcorrect uh, for, that I just stopped exploring and just tried to focus on the main path because it was starting to piss me off. And and it didn't help that the save system utterly sucks until you start getting some upgrades. Which Should we talk about the save system? Yeah, let's talk about the save system and the upgrades. Um, Katie is asking that I wrap up pretty soon, so okay. let's 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 go through this and and let's you know let's get what we can get done. See if we can wrap up in about fifteen minutes or so. Okay, so uh, the save system is based off of spirit energy. That in the uh, normal mode, you get one bar or one bubble of it at the very start, and you I get this ability to basically create like a spirit, uh, a portable spirit well, and that's how you save. But it's also tied into at least one or two other abilities that is needed to traverse the world. So there were a couple times that I would get through a tough platforming section, save because I don't want to go through it again. Then because it's off screen, I didn't see the fact that, oh, I need to use the spirit bomb thing in order to break a well. Because of course, right? Yeah. And it doesn't recharge. You have to find like it, the spirit energy in the world itself. So yeah, right. Yeah, the it, it so it's got upgrade trees, upgrade paths. Well, okay. So as you kill enemies, you gain experience, and as you you know break yeah, open you, certain it, secrets, it, and yeah, you get like a little bit of experience. Yeah, and and you level up, and you can gain more health abilities that help you. You know better. Better attacks or double jump or, um, you know, an ability that lets you get to a new area somehow. Break, break a wall or survive for a little while in, in poison water or things like that. Um, and that's that's I think the sort of Metroid aspect of the Metroidvania. Um, you know, as you as you go through the game, you get stuff that lets you go back to old areas to. Either get secrets or access new areas. Yeah, well, thankfully you have fast travel. Whatever you need to do that now, right? Yes. Oh my god. So as you you know as you go through, you get these you know little wells like you were saying, um, and they serve as fast travel points between sort of major areas. I mean, who knows? There might be hidden ones that we didn't find, or a lot more of them later on, possibly. But I couldn't imagine playing this game having to run back and forth between every area. You're slow. You're fairly slow, um, and even if you get your platforming down pat and can just you know go through in almost like a flow state, there's still things in the way. You're going to have to stop. the uh, The enemies will respawn. Occasionally, you will unlock essentially a shortcut. Yeah, but, yeah. Those are way out of the way of uh, the main path, essentially, and that's just like coming, uh, going around and double backing and 
blowing up a wall from the other side that you couldn't access otherwise. And even then, it might require a couple other abilities to actually utilize. Ugh. There's just a lot of this game that it feels like old game design. And it it's slightly unfair to compare it to modern design. However, yeah, Metroid was available back in the day as well, right? Yeah, it's an older game, but it's not that old, you know? It it feels like it didn't learn a lot of the lessons learned even in like the you know mid two thousands about Metroidvania games. Or and then the difficulty spikes. Yeah. So so there there's three major trees that you have to collect elements from uh, f- uh the plot MacGuffins. Which honestly, I, I'm not really sure what the story of this game is because I didn't get far enough. And honestly, they had this big emotional sequence in the beginning, and then it's like shrug their shoulders and continue on afterwards and not address it again, right? Yeah, that that starts to come back up. I played a little farther than you did. The gist of the story is Ori is the chosen one who has to restore magic to the forest by defeating the evil. Yeah, pretty bog standard, right? So, yep. Uh, at the beginning or at the end of the first tree, the water tree, the achievement is run. Uh, for completing it. And it's this, what, like two or three minute long platforming sequence that is has some very, very tight tolerances. And I tried it for a good 45 minutes. And it might just be because I was starting to get sick, but I got frustrated with it. And I just never could get everything to click. And then I started to get off the timing of it because there's this section where you're you get an ability in this tree where you're like dashing off the enemy projectiles and the timing of it just never sunk up so that I was always caught right there. And I don't know why, because I was buffering the move to go up there or uh, the, uh, that, that particular move you could uh, buffers. It sounds like a very advanced term, but basically just hold down the button and uh, usually it'll, uh, whenever you get in range, it'll uh, allow you to lock on to do the projectile jump. But the thing yeah. is that it, even then, it, that that's why the game felt so weird at times. Because there would be times that that would work. And then there would be other times that it felt like completely at random. Uh, it just wouldn't want to lock on. Or enemies would just, you know, fuck off and do their own thing. Uh, even in a closed sequence like that where, you know, it should be pretty consistent on what's going on. There was times that the enemy that you like to run over or pro vault off of or whatever would just do something completely different. And that should be a scripted sequence, but it isn't. <laughs> and it uh, threw even more randomness and a very sudden spike of difficulty. And changing the difficulty on that wouldn't change anything because changing the difficulty only changes the damage that you uh, are done to you. And the water is pretty much an instant kill state. Yeah. In so, in easy mode you you have like an opportunity to get out of the water, but then it starts hurting you and then, you know, you die. Yeah, and I got like I said, I tried a good 45 minutes and it just seemed like the the more I tried, the worse I was doing. I got towards the end of the sequence at one point, but you're given so little time uh to assess what's going on next. And, and that's kind of the thing for this entire tree is that there's like portals that you go between and there's several times that 
you know, you don't know what's going to happen until you do it, and it feels very trial and error because of it, which, which to me is extremely bad design. Yeah. So, going through this sequence, hitting a, another area that's completely different from what I was doing before, and, okay, so what am I supposed to do here? Oh, I'm dead. Right? Yeah. So, needless to say, you didn't like it, and I wasn't super impressed with it. Once the, ooh, shiny wore away, to me it was just a fairly not, a fairly mediocre platformer. Yeah, a pretty but eh platformer. Yeah. Because that's kind of the thing is that what's really frustrating is once I got past the initial hurdle and started to get a couple upgrades I was actually starting to enjoy the game. And then the difficulty spikes started happening. It just completely took me out of it. Yeah. I don't think... I I don't agree with any of these... Uh, these reviews that are talking about how... You know, it's like this amazing, perfect game. You know, game of the year. I, I don't see where people are getting that. Uh, maybe they're just, you know... I, you know, very easily impressed. Reflective of the times, probably. Uh, but also, perhaps. maybe. Maybe. So, yeah. Gonna gonna need to cut it a little shorter than we yeah. normally would, although, honestly, I didn't have yeah. much else to say about it. Yeah, we were... Yeah, th- this game feels like uh, that's one of those that uh, is just the indie darling that if it were released against any real competition, would have just been forgotten, really. Yeah. Except maybe for yeah screenshots. So yeah, our next uh, game club game for the month of April is Coffee Talk, a uh, narrative-driven game where you're a barista in a uh, uh, in a cafe that serves essentially the creatures of the night. Yep. 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 Looking forward to that. Yeah, That'd a fairly short game, and they do have the sequel out and um, during this month, so we might uh, do the sequel sometime soon as well. Assuming that we like the first one. Assuming that we like it, yes. So, due to circumstances kind of beyond my control, uh, there is a crisis situation that my particular expertise is needed for. So, hey, Rage, why don't you hit them with them socials? Oh, I've been Caffeine will... Rage. Maybe you can catch me sometime on Twitter. Uh, Game of CR. You should be my friend on Steam, Caffeine Rage. And if you was to contact us on the show, uh, VGLpodcast at gmail.com. Tweet us, VGLpodcast, or drop out of the Discord, which you can find a link to that over at VGLpodcast.podbean.com. And you are? Indeed. And I have been Jared. You can find me on Twitter at JMA4707. And you can follow me on the Discord alongside you, and be my friend on Steam, jarthur4707. And our lovely, lovely patrons have made this madness possible. We're doing this very quickly. Uh, Patreon.com slash Podcast. Our uh, show notes can be found at vglpodcast.podbean.com with links to all our stuff, and if you're just to spread the love, you can find us on your podcatcher of choice. Our intro and outro gets on the ground by Kim McLeod. You can find his work over at Computech.com and 
As always, as this lovely music starts to roll across my voice, bye bye now. See ya. Bye bye.